What's up, OCC? One Community Church. I love y'all, man, and I miss y'all. I miss being down there in the summer. That's like my summer getaway, man. Down, down there, hang out with y'all, Dallas Cowboy fans. See all that stuff all over the place. But I really do. I really do love my time there. I really miss being with y'all this summer. One thing I don't miss is that scorching heat down there. That's this it's hot as fish grease down there. So I don't miss that part, but I do miss interacting with you guys. But I'm so grateful for this technology that allows us to connect in this way for your weekend service. I'm honored to be a part of it. And not only do I love your church and I love being down there with y'all, but I really love me some Dr. Conway and Jader Edwards. That's what's up. Love them. What an amazing team. What an amazing uh, couple they are. Um, what an amazing blessing they is to the local church and to the body of Christ worldwide, the blessing that they are to so many people. And it's a blessing to be able to share uh, with you guys this weekend in your weekend experience. And so because I know y'all don't want to have a lot of time, you don't have a lot of patience when you watch it online, let me get into what I want to share with you today. Um, if you have a Bible, turn to Luke chapter 5. New Testament book of Luke chapter 5, I had to pull out for you, Dr. Conway, I had to get my old New American Standard Bible, I had to get the Comparative Study Bible, and for you, I got it, I got it, I'm working with it, I'm working with it. You know, I'm, I'm very intrigued by uh, generational studies, um, um, the study of when people were born and what all that means, and it hasn't gone on for centuries, it's only... It only, it's only been something I've been tracking in the early part of the 20th century. Uh, for example, uh, the silent generation is the generation that's called uh, that group of people that were born between 1928 and 1945. And so they're somewhere around ages 74, 75-ish, up to age 92. And if you're in the silent generation, bravo to you. We're standing on your shoulders today. We really appreciate you. And then that notorious generation, the boomer generation, that was born between 1946 and 1964, uh, they're somewhere between 55-ish and 73 years of age. And if you remember, the boomer generation was, they were wild, man. They started the Jesus movement and the sex craze. Boomers were out of control. They have a Bible in one hand and a condom in the other. I'm just being real with you. They, they were turned up and uh, a very popular generation. And then coming after that generation was my generation, which is called Generation X. Uh, we were born between 1965 and around 1981. We're somewhere in 39-ish to 54-ish in age. And uh, that generation is part of the generation I'm a part of. And then the next generation is called Generation Y or the Millennial Generation, which is born between around 1982 to uh, the year 2000. Millennials are somewhere around ages 20 up to 38 right now. And these are not scientific. They're just as general ranges of millennials. And I'll come back to them in a moment. And then there's Gen Z. If you're a Gen Z member, you were born in the late 1990s or around 2000, up until 2012, and you're somewhere between ages 8 to 19. That's Gen Z. 
bravo to y'all. And whatever your generation is, you can type it in the chat or, or just give me, make some noise wherever you are if you hear your generation. And then the next generation is called Generation Alpha, which are the children of the millennials, and I'm going to explain that in a minute. Those are the people born somewhere between 2013 and off into 2025, which actually makes the oldest member of the Alpha generation is only seven years old. Seven years old, the oldest member of the newest generation, Generation Alpha, is only seven years old. Now, when you talk about generations now, next to the boomers, only, only, only the boomers is even closer to this generation, the most controversial, uh, vilified, misunderstood, Judge generation in the history of this whole research is Generation Y or Millennials. When you talk about Millennials, you can talk about Millennials and you can be at a restaurant, a table, an office complex, a church service, and the whole room goes up. Oh, they're entitled and, and they're lazy and they never leave home and they're self-centered and don't hire them or make sure you hire them or make sure you make sure they work in the right place. And I mean, they get, you, you all millennials catch so much flack. And what's, what's the trip is your parents are boomers. Most millennial parents are boomers, so it makes sense, doesn't it? They were wild. They were kind of an anomaly. And then you got this millennial generation. And check this out. Their children are millennials, and millennials' children are alphas. So guess only God knows what's coming out of that generation. But the reason why I brought that generation up is because I think millennials are misunderstood. I think they're grossly underappreciated. And I, I, this passage may not jump out to you as supporting that concept right away, but stay with me as I walk through this passage today in Luke chapter 5, beginning at verse 1. I'm going to read verses 1 to 7 to you, and it starts off like this. It says, now it came about that uh, while the crowd was pressing around him, him being Jesus, and listening to the word of God, he was standing by the lake of Gennesaret. Mm -hmm. Now verse 2 says, And he saw two boats lying at the edge of the lake, but the fishermen had gotten out of them and were washing their nets. Hmm, interesting. He got into one of the boats, which was Simon's, and asked him to put out a little away from the land, and he sat down and began teaching the people from the boat. Hmm. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out a little into the deep water and let down your nets for a catch. Hmm. Simon answered and said, Master, we worked hard all night and caught nothing. But I will do as you say, let the nets down. Mm -hmm. When they had done this, they enclosed a great quantity of fish and their nets began to break. And watch this in verse 7, verse 7. So they signaled to their partners in the other boat for them to come and help them, and they came and filled both of the boats so that they began to sink. Mm. Now, I want to use as a subject for that passage today. Here's my subject today. Try something new. In fact, write that down or tell somebody you might be watching this with. If you're watching in a group or you're, you're in a group of people around you, just, just look at somebody and say, just try something new. Please, try something new. It's time to try something new. <laughs> hey, if COVID-19 didn't do anything for else, else for us, it's forced us to try new stuff. 
Who knew you'd have to have dinner dates in your house now? Who knew that you could get groceries delivered to your house? There's a young couple in my church that would have their groceries delivered to their house, and I would say to them, this is pre-COVID. I said, why would y'all do that? Nobody picking out my oranges and apples, picking out my steaks or whatever. I've got to do that myself. And now, who knew? <laughs> I get my groceries brought to my house all the time now. I'm so comfortable with it now, I could never see myself in a grocery store ever again. Like, who, who's got time for that? That's an adjustment. Try something new. Try something new in your life. Try something new. It's, it's, try something new, like, like go to work a different way. Um, when we come back, whenever we come back to assemble in church, and I know y'all down in Texas, y'all able to, you know, gather faster than others, but be careful whenever you gather. But, but, but sit somewhere different. Sit in a different section. Some of you at OCC, you, whatever campus you're at, you've been sitting in that same section since the church started. Over 10 years now, you've been sitting in that same section. You don't even move. Move to the other side. See what that's like. Just switch it up. Try something new. Uh, sleep on the sleep on the other side of the bed if you're if you're married your spouse is willing to switch places if if you if something's not working in your life try something new go when you go to the gym and the gym's open up again try a piece of equipment you don't usually use like work out on that even though it looks awkward like try something new if your marriage is not working try something new with with your spouse of course I mean <laughs> try something new. Try something new. Why do I say try something new? It's because in this passage that I just read to you, the only thing that's working is something that's not been done before. Everything traditional in this passage is not working. Everything that's working in this passage is non-traditional. <laughs> so, so, so the traditional way of fishing didn't work. For Simon and his partners, Jesus goes about fishing at a different time and a different location, and they got so many fish that it's breaking their net. Uh, Jesus is preaching somewhere that nobody's supposed to be preaching. He's not in a synagogue. He's not in a temple. He's not in anybody's house doing a house service. He is doing a beach revival. He's out on Lake Gennesaret preaching from the sand, and the crowd's so great he can't even... They're pressing up on him. So let's go through this passage because he's trying something new. Now let me, I'm, I'm just going to give you, I'm going to give you the hook right here. I'm going to give you the hook right here. I, I'm, I'm, too, I'm too anxious to give you this information. But I need you to understand something about Jesus uh, from a chronolo- chronological standpoint. This passage takes place in Jesus' life when he's around about 31 years old. Now how do you know that? The text doesn't tell us how old he is. But we know from history that he died when he was 33 years old and that his ministry was inaugurated at the baptism of John the Baptist in the wilderness when he was 30 years of age. So he's got to be somewhere between 30 years of age and 33 years of age. And I believe when you look at the the timing of this passage, he's probably somewhere around 31 years of age. Now, what does that mean, Pastor Keith? What that means is if you were to transpose Jesus and this scene, and this moment in his life, and transpose it into 2020, Jesus would be 31 years old, which would make him a millennial. He is a 31-year-old coming on the scene and breaking all the rules and change the game. (laughs) 
This is interesting because watch what happens in the passage. Let me go back to the passage and read it as it unfolds. It says, first of all, it came to pass. Now, you have to understand that when you read through the passage, even though verse 1 doesn't reveal it in the New American Standard Bible, it is literally daytime. And we know it's daytime because when Jesus told Simon, let's push out in verse 4 to go catch some more fish, when he told him that, uh, Simon says, we've been, we've been fishing all night. Last night we tried that because that's when we fish at night. So I want you to understand that, first of all, this is happening during the day. This is daytime. Stay with me. It's daytime. And during the day, he's preaching at a place called the Lake Gennesaret. Now, let me give you some background on the Lake, lake Gennesaret. Gennesaret is a lake that is unusually shallow. There is not a lot of depth in this lake. Uh, most lakes or seas have the potential of, in its deepest section, being two miles deep. It has been proven that Lake Gennesaret, in its deepest space, is only 141 feet deep. So he's in a shallow body of water, and he's standing on the sand, and he's preaching. And he's preaching, and people are getting close to him, and they're pressing up on him. They're in his personal space. Now, one of the reasons for that is because he didn't have a microphone. He didn't have a, 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 a lapel mic. He didn't have a sound system. So in order to hear him, people are pressing in because not only is it Jesus, but he's preaching the word of God. Whew. It's, it's exciting when you're a preacher, when people are hungry. I think we preach better to hungry people. I really believe that. If you're, if, you're, if you're not satisfied with the preaching you get, you have to check your own appetite. Because the hungry you are, the hungrier you are, the better the meal is. So, so, so they're pressing in to hear him. They're pressing up on his personal space. And, and now he's backing up. Now his, his heels are in the sand. They're getting wet in the wet part of the sand. And he's backing into the water. Now his feet and ankles are covered with water as he's backing up as this crowd is pressing up on him. But here's the thing, as I said before, he's not in church. He's out on the beach preaching to people and it's working. He's, he's, this is not where you're supposed to preach, Jesus. You're supposed to preach in the, in the synagogue, in the temple, or on a hillside somewhere. You're preaching in, in, at the beach and he's backing up in the water and now he has some trouble. He has a problem. There are too many people and he's having to back up. He's in a complex situation because we've got a crowd that is overwhelming the communicator. Now, people are pressing and pushing, trying to hear him. So the Bible says in verse 2, he notices something. He looks over in verse 2, and he notices standing there that there are two boats. He looks over, and he sees these two boats, and the boats are empty because the people who own the boats have left the boats, and they're washing their nets. Now, net washing, by the way, it's something you do after you fish. It is removing debris and other things that got, that, you know, because they didn't fish with rods and poles, they fished with nets. And so to clean the nets, you clean it of all the debris and the stuff that can prevent fish from getting in there so that the next time they fish, they can have a clean slate and a, and a, and a better opportunity to catch the fish. And so these boats are empty, and Jesus, without any disruption, moves over towards the boat, steps into the boat, which happens to be Simon's boat, tells Simon, push me out. So he, watch this, so that now he moves, his platform is no longer the beast, now his platform is the boat. So he's using the boat as a pulpit to preach from the boat. What are you saying? I'm saying he's breaking all the rules. 
He was preaching from a beach. Now he's preaching from a boat. But what that did was it solved a problem. Now he pushes back from the people. Now the people can walk into the water to get closer to him. So now you just, before you just had sand seating or sand standing, now you got ankle level water seating and you got knee level water seating. And for the people who have VIP, you got waist high water seating because he's out in the boat. And for the real deep people, you got shoulder level water seating for those. And what Jesus did with one adjustment was created seats for 500 more people to get into the water. The reason why that's so important, y'all, is is I love people. This is how millennials think. They don't look at obstacles as obstacles alone. They look at obstacles as opportunities. See, some people look at this. See, if you'd had the wrong person in leadership, they would have said, hey, y'all, y'all got to go. We ain't got no more. We we ran out of seats. Uh, The fire code, fire marshal's here. We can't have any more people come. We got to turn you away. Listen, I need people who can handle a crowd and make adjustments on the fly. Not people that are saying, oh, how are we going to handle this? We ain't got enough. We ain't got enough room for it. It's like Jesus had to make these kind of adjustments before. One time in the Gospels, he was feeding 5,000 people. It was 5,000 men in a crowd one time not including women and children, and the people were getting hungry. It was dark, and Jesus said, let's feed them. He says that to his team, and they said, where are we going to get enough food to feed all these people? They're saying, how are we going to do this? And Jesus said, I didn't ask you. I just said, do it. So, so, so they're, 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 they're immediately showing the, the unreasonable request that Jesus would make. This doesn't make any sense what you're asking. And so they said, they said, Jesus said, no, I don't want you to go to the store. Find out what we got on hand. Yeah. Find out what we got on hand. That's what I love right there. He said, they, they, they bought him a bag lunch, a little greasy bag lunch, a boy's lunch, and threw it to Jesus as if, he said, they, they said to him, what's this among so many? What's this little bag among so many? And Jesus said, you don't know who you're messing with. Your little becomes much when you put it in my hand. What's on hand? Everything you need is on hand. I need to shift for a moment because somebody's wondering how they're going to make it through COVID-19. Somebody's wondering how they're going to make it through difficult times. And God told me to tell you, everything you need is on hand. Everything you need to take care of your sick loved one is on hand. Everything you need to make it through these difficult times is on hand. When, when, when the children of Israel were running from Pharaoh and his army, and they ran up to a Red Sea where they couldn't go any further. And they could literally feel their own blood spilling into this sea as Pharaoh's army came upon them. And Moses looked helpless in the situation. And he looks up to God and said, God, what are we going to do in this situation? God said, what's in your hand? <laughs> Everything you need is on hand. Take what's in your hand, that rod, and stretch it across the water. And what was in his hand was enough to make him, to get him through it. It's like that widow in Second Kings chapter 4 who had run her husband had died and and now the creditors were coming to 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 enslave her sons and to take them captive because she couldn't pay the bills and when she called on the man of god he came to her house and he said what you got on hand everything you need is on hand her neighbors had the jars but she had the oil everything she needed was on hand when david ran up against goliath he didn't have to call in a a, a backup troop or or any of the militia to help him everything he needed was on hand Because God can take five smooth rocks. He didn't even need all five of them. He can use one of them and a slingshot. He can use a jar of oil. He can use a boy's lunch. Everything you need is on hand. It's on hand. And so Jesus looks at his situation, and on hand are two boats right there. 
He backs up to the boats. And watch this. This is what I love about this. This is a transition. He's using a boat, which is used for business, and he's using the boat for ministry. Stay with me. Can God use your ministry or your business and mix use it? Jesus is basically saying to Simon, in, in contemporary terms, can I use your platform to talk to my followers? Can, can I take your business? I know, you, I know you do accounting in here. You do taxes in this office. Can you do taxes during the day and I use it for Bible study at night? Can we mix use your facility? Can, I know you sell real estate out of this office. Can you sell real estate during the day and we have small groups in here at night? Can I use, can I use, your, can I use your boat to reach my people? How about this? Can God use our churches for something other than just communion and worship? Can he use our churches to be a place for tutoring and, and job training? Can he mix use our facility? God says, I need your boat. Can I? He didn't even ask, by the way. He just got in the boat. He didn't ask for it. only thing he asked Simon was to push out. He had a relationship with Simon. So Simon, you know, he's not a stranger. He walks into Simon's boat and says, can you push out from here? And, and, and Simon pushes out, and now he's preaching from the boat. And when the Bible, this is what I love, when Jesus finished preaching from that boat, hear me good, one, one community, when he finished preaching from that boat, he says to Simon, now let's go deeper. Verse 4, let's go out for a great catch. <laughs> listen, listen, I know, I know, I know you've been struggling. I know that you've been trying to catch fish, but let's go catch some now. Now, what, what, what's the point here? Uh, uh, Jesus is not just concerned with ministry. He's also concerned about your business. Simon, I know you're a fisherman, so I'm going to go help you catch what you haven't been able to catch. And one of the reasons why I'm going to help you catch what you haven't been able to catch, because you let me use your business for not just business, but for ministry too. Ooh. <laughs> now, this is not about bartering with God. It's just his blessing over Simon's life. He says, you let me use your boat uh, to, to preach from. Now let me use your boat. Now let me help you fish from this boat. And you would think that Simon would be like, thank you, Lord, because because I really, we we really behind. Business has been slow. We haven't been we haven't been catching anything. We haven't been able to make any make make our income and all of that. But Simon says something very interesting. He says in verse five, Master, I know you're a carpenter. I I, I know you're you know the master of the sea and all of that. But but you know we we already did this last night, and we didn't catch anything. And, Lord, you, you're asking us to go out here now. This doesn't make any sense. Uh, listen to the exhaustion. Listen to the fatigue. Come back to me. Listen to the fatigue in his voice. He says, he says Master, we toiled all night. We toiled all night. He's tired. We're tired. I, I, I wonder if anybody I'm talking to right now it's just tired. <laughs> I'm tired. I'm, I'm tired of being celibate and still can't get a date. I'm tired of forgiving people and being nice to people who still don't treat me right. I'm tired of, I'm, somebody might be listening saying, I'm tired of being faithful in this ministry and tired of being faithful in this department I've been given the lead and it's not growing or I don't have any support. I, I, I want to talk to somebody who's been toiling without results. Because let me tell you something, 
it's exhausting when you work hard and you do everything you're supposed to do. And you, it's, it's tough when you swing with all your might and you hit nothing. Can you imagine what it was like? For, it reminds me of Noah for a second. I heard, I heard William McDowell say this about Noah. You know, Noah was faithful to God, and Noah did what God said, and he built an ark even while others were mocking him because he was preparing for something that nobody had ever heard of. He was preparing for rain. It had never rained before. Prior to the rain coming, when the ark was built, Everything that was moisting, all the moisture came from the ground. The dew would come from the ground. And God says, I'm going to send rain. It's going to come from the sky. And, and so now uh, Noah has built the ark. He was faithful to the assignment God had given him. And now he can't move the ark. He's built something, but it's not moving. <laughs> he's, he's established something, but he doesn't have any movement. He doesn't have any clients. He doesn't have any activity. It's not moving. And it's because he needs the rain to come to move what he's built. <laughs> and it's not going to come till God sends the rain. And I'm telling you, I know some of y'all are tired, but it's too soon to quit. Keep, watch this, keep washing your nets. <laughs> Keep, keep doing whatever it is God has assigned you to do. By the way, even though Simon is tired, <clears throat> we, we're, we're introducing the text, he was washing his nets, which means he's going back out there again. <laughs> I need to preach to somebody today that's going to keep washing your nets. If God told you to keep being faithful in your marriage and keep praying for your spouse and keep doing what you're supposed to do, that's like washing your nets. You ain't caught nothing, ain't nothing changed. Keep being nice to a person that's not nice to you. Keep being faithful on a job. Keep doing what you're supposed to do as a parent, even though you haven't seen a turn in that child's life yet. Keep washing your nets. Keep doing what you're supposed to do because God's going to do something that only he can do. And when he sends the rain to make your ark move, don't you act like you pulled it off on your own. You better give him the glory that he deserves because he did what only he could do. Keep washing your nets. I'm going to stay there for a second. I remember when I first started preaching, year early on in my ministry, my wife would roll with me. And I remember, I remember on Sunday I preached four times. I was preaching different churches, and I remember I came home with $116 from four churches. And some of y'all might not have a problem with that, but that's how I lived. That, that was my living. And, and you know, it was, it was tough. And, 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 and we struggled so long in, in my ministry, financially and otherwise. And, and I, I remember in 1991, we were, I was hoping for a breakthrough, and, and we heard about this conference called the Impact Conference. And I, we drove down to Atlanta. We drove from the D.C. area all the way down to Atlanta. And we didn't even have money for a hotel. We just had enough money to get down there. And we stayed with her sister in her sister's apartment. She was a student at Spelman. And we got a daughter, so we rode with a car seat. So we got a, a daughter who's 16 months old around that time, and my wife and I, and we slept in my, in my sister-in-law's, basically her apartment. We slept in a cot in the living room, the three of us, because we couldn't afford the hotel. But we knew we would get something out of that conference that might accelerate our lives. And, and that was in 1991, and we kept struggling. And I remember preaching. One of the, the most faithful engagement I had was I was preaching at a drug ministry here in Maryland at a drug rehab ministry where they couldn't give us an offering to preach. They would give us groceries, and they would give us canned potatoes, and I'm telling you the truth, canned vegetables, and they would give us these things called porkettes from Murray Steakhouse. And, 
And that was our meal. We would, we would leave that place, and I would preach with no microphone, standing in the, in the living room in front of a front of a window. The dining room table was my pulpit, and we would preach there. I would preach down there every Sunday night, and we would leave with groceries to feed, feed our family. And I did that through the 1980s, late 1980s. And I remember when the shift happened. In 2000, I got an invitation to preach at the Impact Conference, not to attend it. They invited me to speak at the Impact Conference, and I gave a message that I wrote written on a napkin in my hotel room. And the first point was, don't be stupid. It was called the 10 Rules of Dating. They, 20 years later, they're still playing that message, and it catapulted me. I meet people today. That's how they know me, by that message. And, and what I'm trying to tell you is I just kept washing my nets. I kept washing my nets. And now I'm at a place where I can go, and I can pay for my own hotel room, but it's because I, I wash my nets. And I just want to encourage somebody, don't quit. So now here's Jesus He's out there, and he says, Simon, let's go out in the deep. Now watch this. He says, let's go out in the deep. So I'm going to take you somewhere that you haven't been fishing before at a time you don't usually fish. I'm changing your time and your town. I'm changing your time and your location. And watch this. And Simon says, we toil all night. But if you say so. (laughs) But if you say so, at your word, Lord, (laughs) if this is what you instruct me to do, See, I don't know, is there anybody there at one community church that has this kind of faith? That, Lord, even when you tell me something that doesn't make sense, if it's clearly you, I'm going to obey you. I'm going I'm, I'm to obey you because your credit is so good and your record is so good and you've been so faithful to me because great is your faithfulness. And because you've shown yourself faithful in the past, even if it's going to make me look stupid doing this, Even if I don't think it's going to add up, I'm going to obey you out of reverence for you. Even if I doubt the results of it, I'm going to obey you. So sure enough, they go to a place that they hadn't fished before at a time they don't usually fish, and they took these nets that they were washing, and so many fish came in the net that the net was breaking. (laughs) Let me go back to my original point. Here's a millennial, if you will, 31-year-old, who comes on the scene with an idea that's out of pocket, that broke the net. <laughs> what, what, if, what, if, what if there's some millennial around you or in your life or in your circle that could give your business an idea or give your ministry an idea that would break the net, that would go so viral it would break the net? What, what, if, what, if, what if we have so overlooked the creativity of young people. How is it that if we can follow a 31-year-old who died at 33 years old, that we would call people that age now selfish? And I know you're saying, well, it's not all equal. I'm saying, I'm saying, look at, look at this situation like this. The traditional way of fishing at night may be in less shallow, less depth in the water, didn't work. Going to a new location at a new time worked. Ooh. If your ministry or your business or your organization or anything you're growing or developing has plateaued, I dare you to switch up where you're fishing. (laughs) Maybe it's time for another location. I know one community church is on it. But could it be that there's a new place to fish? And could it also be that there's new times to fish? 
so many churches are bound by the idea that we can only fish at 11 o'clock on Sunday morning. And I'm saying if you're only fishing at one time in one place, you're going to hit a drought. But what if you change times and you change locations and you listen to creative ideas? So guess what? The net started breaking. Now check this out. In verse 2, the boat was empty and they were washing the net. In verse 6, the boat is sinking and the net is breaking. So much so that in verse 7, Simon yells out to his partner in the other boat and says, Hey, man, come here. I love this. I love this. I love this. I love this. Simon could have been selfish. Come back to me. Simon could have been selfish and said, Listen, hey, uh, Jesus, hold up, hold up, hold, 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 Jesus, hold. Let me, let me, let me, um, let me take these fish in and, and dump them and then come back and get the rest up, you know, and keep this between us. He called his partner and said, Hey, Come out here, man. We caught so much fish. We, we caught so many fish that I can't even, my boat is sinking. So now his partner's catching in. Listen, is there anybody in here that would like to get an idea that would bring you so much growth, so much business, so much increase that you'd have to call other people and say, listen, I got more clients than I can serve now. I know you want more business. Just, just hey, I want to hand some of these people off to you. I want to hand some of this stuff off to you. It was that much of a blessing that came from an idea, a new way of doing something. They tried something new. So now, watch this, verse 2, you got two empty boats, and both boat owners are cleaning their nets. Verse 7, now you got two boats that are sinking, and the nets are breaking. Come back. Watch this. Verse 2, two boats. Empty, not active, nets being cleaned. Jesus says, I want to use your boat for ministry. Let me talk to my followers from your platform. Takes the boat somewhere they don't go at a time they don't go, and now both boats are sinking and both nets are breaking. The difference between two empty boats and two clean nets and two sinking boats and two breaking nets was a 31-year-old's idea to do this differently. I want to just say this in conclusion, because I've taken up enough of your time. I want to ask you a question. Could it be that it's time for you to try to do something you've never done before? Try to read something you've never read before. Watch something on television you never watched before. Expose yourself to something you've never been exposed to before. You know, when the COVID-19 thing happened and we had to shift and switch the way we did church, and now now people that used to laugh at online church and say it'll never work, it'll never work, now they're online. Because everybody got to be online now, right? And so somebody asked me, well, well, Pastor Battle, well, how do you stay innovative during a pandemic? And I said, the way I stay innovative during a pandemic is I don't study church. <laughs> church, you don't want to study something in a crisis. See, see, the church is in a crisis. I don't want to study a church that's in panic mode, that's just standing up there and trying to figure out how we're going to make it from week to week. I'm studying industries that are thriving during the pandemic. What are they doing to continue to grow? That's how you get ideas. 
Like we never change our message, but the method through which we do it can change all the time. One of the things I love about your church is the creative ways. You know, y'all have stuff on the stage and, and there'll be mannequins on the stage and, and basketball courts on the stage to make a point. All of that's very important to getting the message out. And I'm saying to each of you, you're a part of a creative ministry. What do you need to do differently to get different results in your life? And I'm saying maybe there's some millennials around you. Now, I know you think they're petty and they're self-centered and all of that. But here's what I vowed to do. I vowed that I need millennials around me or at least millennial thinkers, creative thinkers around me at every level of my organization. I want to hear their thinking. Right now in my organization, in the office of the senior pastor, everybody in my office is a millennial. And that was both intentional and accidental at the same time. I need them to stretch my thinking. I I need them to tell me when I'm corny. I need them to tell me when I'm looking stupid. I need them to tell me when that's dead. We ain't nobody talking about that no more. I need them to tell me when my old slang is, is outdated. I need, I, but I also need to, here's what I'm telling the millennials. Hey, y'all, I got a boat. Can you help me fish in it? Here's my boat. Can you help me catch some fish? I'll give you access to my boat. We got buildings. We got facilities. We got campuses. We got places. We got resources. And just like that, like, like, like one community church has properties and buildings and everything. What if, we, what if we ask some millennials, show us, we're already doing well, but show us how to catch some fish that will break the net. <laughs> show, show, us, show us how to catch more fish. Show us how to catch so many fish that we have to bring in partners to service them and to disciple them and to clean them up and help them reach their potential. I don't know how you'll apply this message in your life today. I don't know what your specific takeaway is. But for me, it's like this. How can I think different? How can I, what can I do different in order to get the results that I'm not satisfied with that I'm getting? How can I not be content with clean nets and empty boats? Who do do I need to have a conversation with? How can I use my boat in a strategic way to get more done than I've ever gotten done before? Let me pray with you before we leave. Father, I thank you for this time, and I thank you for this opportunity to share your word and your truth. And I pray that you would do by your spirit now what human effort could never accomplish this in the hearts of your people in a way that will bring about incredible ideas and incredible fruit and incredible catches of fish and life and success and growth. Would you please do it? And may we learn to appreciate people who are different than us, who are, who are younger than us or older than us. So whatever generation they're part of, help us to have intergenerational connections where we can benefit from everybody's strengths, everybody's creativity, and everybody's wisdom and knowledge. This is my prayer, and I thank you for this time. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, one community. Been a blessing being with you all today. God bless you.